Hello, this is Josh Christman, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. Judges chapter 6. And I want to give honor to my pastor. I want to give honor to all the saints here tonight. And as always, as I always do, I want to thank you all for the opportunity to stand before you and to break the word, uh, break the bread of life. And I, I count it an honor to be here speaking to you tonight. I feel very honored to, to be able to do this. And I've said it many times, and you'll probably hear it many times again. If you're witnessing me up here, you really are witnessing a minor miracle. I really, you really are. And whether you know it or not, just praise the Lord for minor miracles. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you guys are minor miracles? Amen. A lot of you can tell you if we went around the room and just told the stories, we could we could tell them all night about how the Lord has protected us. And just think how many times he's protected us and we didn't even know it. Amen. All the times that you were running late and you were upset that you were running late, he could have kept you out of an accident right there. Or how many times if something happened and you just were so upset that it didn't happen, it turned out as the will of God. And you look back and you just chuckle at yourself, right? I mean, they'd say, the old, the old saying goes, men plan and God laughs. Amen. That's true, isn't it? But I want to give honor to my, to my pastor tonight. Hope he can, hope he's able to make it here. Uh, and I want to give honor to the bishop and, and all the saints, Brother Smith and Brother Charlie and uh, all you guys out there. I want to give honor to you guys. Judges chapter 6. Verse 25 through 27. When you're there, say amen. Amen. The word of the Lord says, And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. And I understand whenever there was an idol, whenever they worshiped these deities in the Old, in the old Testament, in the old days of antiquity, that they would normally have a male and female version of the God that they worshiped together. And in this case, it's Baal, and it was been Ashtoreth would have been the, the goddess, and the grove was for the female. And you, you grow up a grove of trees, and they would set an idol in the midst of it, and they would worship these gods together. And it was a pretty disgusting worship, um, but let's, let's, we won't pause there for very long. Let's just go on. Said, uh, altar Baal that thy father hath and cut down the grove that is by it and build an altar under the Lord, thy God upon the top of this rock and in the ordered place and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did say and did say it again and did as the lord has said unto him and so it was because he feared his father's household in the men of the city that he could not do it by day that he did it by night and i want to speak to you for a little while tonight on this thought first things first okay pretty simple first things first let's pray Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the anointing, God. And thank you, Lord, for the word, Lord, that breaks the yoke of the, of the bondage off of our necks. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would bless this word that goes forth tonight. God, that it would do its work that it's supposed to do, that you have purposed to do in the hearts of your people. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would open the ears and let us hear. Lord, open our, open our eyes that we may see and change us tonight. Somebody say, change us. Change us tonight. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. If you've been in church very long, if you've been to Sunday school at all, you know who Gideon is, right? And uh, Gideon was a guy. He was the youngest of his father's house, Bible says. And uh, we find him one night. He's threshing wheat in the night. There was at the time when the, the Israelites were under... Uh, bonded and being oppressed by this group called the Midianites, okay? 
And the Midianites would come, the Bible says, they would come at harvest time. They would let the, the Israelites do all the work and plant and, and tend and do all that. And then at harvest time, the Midianites would show up and, and rob them, okay? And because of that, the, the children of Israel were poor. They were impoverished. Uh, they were having a hard time getting by, right? So Gideon, he thinks he's being sneaky. He's threshing his wheat one night by the wine press when the Lord comes and, and appears to him. And the angel appears to him and calls him a man of war. Okay, now go back and read this, be your homework for this week. Go back and read these verses, and we're going to go over some things, and I really think you guys really want to dig into this because I really believe this is important for our body. I really do. And uh, so he, he is, um, he's, he's, he's met by the angel of the Lord. The Lord calls him a man of, of valor, okay? And uh, in verse 13, he says, you know, verse 13 of, the, of that chapter, he, he's talking to the Lord, and he says, where are our miracles, he says to the Lord. He says, where are our, our miracles? You know, he said, the miracles that our fathers talked about, the miracles that you, you brought us out of Egypt. And we, we hear these stories from our, from our, uh, from Sunday school. Okay. I hear these stories. And when I go to synagogue or I go to temple or I go to tabernacle, I hear these stories of these great miracles that you have wrought for our people. Where are our miracles? Somebody say that. Where, where's our miracles, right? We all have heard the stories many times about uh, the miracles. You know, this person had this healing, and this person had that healing, and the, the ult this great provision that God provided for this person or that person. And I've heard it all of my life being in a church. Amen? I've heard the great miracles. But in this instance, Gideon's saying, where's mine? Okay, right now, where I live, there's no miracles. Right now, where I live, I'm hungry. Right now, where I live, I'm poor. Okay, God, where are our miracles? Okay, you brought us out of Egypt, but now you've forsaken us. Amen. So whose fault was this? I mean, why in the world would a God have forsaken poor old Gideon? Why would poor old Gideon need to be threshing his, his wheat by the wine press at nighttime, hiding it from somebody so they don't steal it? When all, when all he has to do is on, on Saturday when they go to the temple and hear the stories about how they fed him in the God fed him in the wilderness with manna. Or he provided water out of a rock. Amen. Or how, how, he, how he brought him out of Egypt. You know, all the miracles. You know, the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea. He hears all these stories and then he goes home and hides to thresh his wheat. Somebody say amen. So whose fault was this, where he was living? Now, that's a rhetorical question. Don't answer it. I'm going to answer it here in a little bit. Okay. So then he says to Gideon, you're going to deliver Israel. Okay. And Gideon's like, let me get this. He says, I'm going to, she shall smite the, I shall smite the Midianites by one man, by you. Okay. And Gideon's like, now look. Okay. I've heard all, you know. And then he's complaining about the miracles, but now he doesn't want to be part of the miracle. Okay? He's complaining about where he is, but when God says, it's you I'm going to use, oh, hey, wait, wait a minute. Hang on a minute. Okay? So, you know, what, what's, he supposed, what's, what's God supposed to do with that? You know what I mean? What's God supposed to do with the reluctant person? You know, you, you need a miracle, right? You're living in the midst of of the big problem and you need a miracle and God says, you're part of the solution. Oh, right. Somebody say, amen. Am I losing you already? <laughs> so judges six, uh, through 25 through 27, he says, so let's, 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 we're going to answer these questions, but, uh, first things first, right? First things first, say it again. We're going to say it a lot of times tonight. First things first, let's talk about covenants. Okay. A covenant's an agreement. Okay, that brings about a relationship or a commitment between two parties. Now, we've heard many times God has a covenant with his people. Amen? Now, uh, he had a, uh, it's conditional, right? Okay, in order for one party to do what he's supposed to do or she's supposed to do, the other party, it's contingent on the other party doing what they're supposed to do. Somebody... Okay. Now, if I if 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 I enter in a contract with you and I say I pay you such such dollars to pour me a sidewalk, okay, I'm expected to pay you said amount of dollars upon the completion of my nice new sidewalk. However, if you don't show up to pour me a sidewalk, I don't owe you anything. Somebody say Amen. 
Now, there's all kinds of horror stories about people saying, well, I need half up front and this and that. And, uh, and then they, they, they take the half and they run, right? Well, we're not talking about that. We're talking about two principal people having a contract, right? Now, marriage, okay? Employment. Now, when you get married to your spouse, you pledge you're going to do this. And they pledge, I'm going to do that. And each person is expected to hold up their end, right? And if you go into marriage counseling, you'll find out that's not always the case, right? And sometimes people make mistakes and people can, you know, but, but there's a, there's a, understand that there's an agreement that's expected. There's an ex expectation of the other party. Someone say amen. In employment, you know, if you hire somebody and you're going to say, I'm going to pay you this amount of money for this amount of work, you expect that amount of work for that amount of money, correct? Now, I've had, I had an employer, uh, employee or employer one time that he drew up a contract for each employee. And it was just a little, it was a little machine shop. But he says, I'll pay you more money if I can count on you to produce. So if you agree to produce this much and you put it, on, put it in writing, I'll pay you this much more. Okay? Now, understand, if I take this money and I agree to this, I sign this contract, but I don't produce... And then go to, well, my paycheck was short. Well, you didn't produce. Okay? You see, under, you understand, there's, a, there's two ways. There's two. takes two to tango. Right? <laughs> so, there was a covenant in Eden. The Lord said, I put you in this garden, Adam and Eve. And you have all, the you know, pastor preached about it Sunday. You have all this garden to eat of. Okay? All you got to do is obey. All you got to do is do what I tell you. Just don't eat from that tree over there. The rest is, is all yours. And I'm going to come visit with you. That's the deal. Right? There's a covenant. Okay? Uh, God made a covenant with Abraham. Okay? And uh, Genesis 17 says, I'm going to establish a covenant with you and your seed. Okay? Um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to promise you this land right here. And you're by, by entering into this covenant, you're going to get circumcised. Now, think it. Abraham's not a baby. Abraham's a grown man. And I don't know if you... You guys understand that, but some of you might. Whew, I can't. I've, I've tried to imagine this before, and I can't, I can't hardly imagine it. But he said, you're going to enter into this covenant, and you and all your house, all the males in your house, and everybody that's born in your house, at, when they're at least eight days old, are going to get circumcised. Then that's going to show that you're in covenant with me. Somebody say amen. Now, they go to Egypt, you know, and all that. They're coming out, and the Lord reiterates this covenant to Israel, okay? And if you want to get Deuteronomy 11, let's go to Deuteronomy 11. And there's a lot I want to touch on here, but I don't want to read it all. So just hold that point, hold that there for a minute. So in chapter 10 and then on into chapter 11, God spells out the fine print and his requirements of the children of Israel, okay? Verses 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 in chapter 10. Then moves on to chapter 11. He says, I'm going to give you the land I promised to Abraham, okay? I'm going to give you all this land I promised, but you got to obey, okay? You're going to go into this there. You're going to regard me as your God. I'm going to be your God, okay? And you're going to be my people, all right? I, want, I need verses 26, 26 through 29, Okay? So he brings them through, and then verse 18, he says, you're going to lay up these words in your heart, okay? This is going to be part of who you are, okay? You're going to teach your children, okay, that I'm your God. There's no other gods. You don't worship any other gods. You do what I say, and all this land is yours. I'm going to go in before you. You're going to possess it. You're going to live here. You're going to be happy, okay? And then verses 26 through 29, he says this. He says, behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, Okay, now I want you to stop for a second. Okay, and he put, and to make his point, pastors preached about this many times about Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. Okay, this valley of, she of Shechem. Okay, and it was a way that you had to go if you were coming across Jordan and you were starting to go into the land, you came right between these two mountains. And he put part of the people on one side and part of the people on the other side. And then everybody had to take their turn passing through the valley 
okay? And you had the curses on it. They was trying to paint a picture in their head. He's trying to get them to understand that you have curses on one side. If you don't obey, there's curses here, okay? There's a penalty for what for disobedience. There's a penalty for not doing, not holding up your end of the bargain. There's a penalty for letting your part of the contract lapse, amen? But on the other hand, on the other side of the valley, there was another mountain, and there was all the blessings, and all these were, were laid out. He lays them all out in Scripture. And so everybody was expected to pass through here, and there was nobody that could say, I didn't know. Okay, this was a covenant between God and all those people. And it wasn't like, you know, we, we elect a representative to go to Washington, D.C. He's supposed to represent our interests. Right? He's supposed to represent, we have a representative for this district right here. He's supposed to know us as a people. He's supposed to know who we are as a people. Okay, and we send him to the He's supposed to represent our interests. But right here, we, it would be like if we were all able to go to Washington and vote our conscience. Okay, he was saying, look, you're going to pass through this valley. You're going to hear all the blessings and all the curses. And if you could choose to come through, you're bound by this contract. Okay, so everybody understand what we're saying. Each person that passed through the valley understood that he was, that he was and made to understand the consequences of the decision being made. Okay, now, the ultimate, the ultimate culmination of this agreement, if they would obey was in verse in chapter 12 he says he says if you'll destroy the pagan high places you're going to go into this land and it's full of paganism there's all kinds of odors to pagan gods you're going to go in there you're going to destroy all that if you do all that i'll give you rest how many would like to rest okay now how awesome would it be to read the bible and read about all, about the children of israel going in and possessing the land and being obedient and being at rest wouldn't that be great? That's not the case. Okay. Now, we as new covenant believers, okay, Jesus came, he fulfilled all this law. Okay, he fulfilled the law. Matter of fact, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10 while I'm talking here. He established a new covenant with us, right? Somebody say amen. This is really neat when we get where we're going. You guys are going to like it, I promise. Hebrews chapter 10, let's read verses 16 through 26. It says, this is a covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, okay? And in their minds will I write them. Anybody ever had something come to your mind, come to your heart when you've done something wrong, a little wrong, you start to feel that? And those words come back, you know, the words of scripture come back to remind you he's written that on your heart. He's written that on your mind. It says, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering of sin. He says, look, where sin's going to start to go away from you if you'll continue to obey. Okay, remember we talked about several weeks ago, we talked about sin. We talked about how that if you walk in the light, as he sheds more light, he's going to give you more power to be able to do a little bit better. Remember that? We called it sanctification. It says, now, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness, holiest by the blood of, by G, of Jesus, by a new and living way. Okay, now he's saying a new covenant. I'm, I'm, I'm making a new agreement with you. Okay. It says, uh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love. Remember love? Remember the, the law of love, how we're governed by, we're governed by the law of love, our love for God? Tells us how we're going to regard his law. Okay, it's going to be measured. And our love for our neighbors is going to be how we treat them. Remember that? We're governed now by the law of love. It's not the letter of law. It's a spirit of law, right? So he says, let us hold fast profession our faith without wavering. For he is faithful, faithful that promise. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assemblings of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another as we see the day approaching. Or much the more as we see the day approaching. Now, verse 26 says, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for your sin. So what do we say? I said all that to say this. We're still in covenant. Okay? It's a new way. 
okay? It's not by the blood of bulls and lambs and goats, okay? We're, we, you know, but we're still expected to obey, are we not? Our relationship with God and our fellow man, it's governed by the law of love, okay? We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't observe the law of Moses anymore because Jesus took care of that, right? Now, the ceremonial law. Now, where it says don't kill, you're still not supposed to kill, right? Where it says don't commit adultery, you're not supposed to, be, you know, all that stuff is still in effect. But understand that we are still expected to obey, okay? We still enter into this contract, and what's expected of us is what? Starts with a no. Obedience, correct. Now, so here we find Gideon. Now, all that, keep that in your back pocket, okay? So now here we find Gideon, okay? And in the book of Judges, he comes on the scene, and it shouldn't be any surprise, if you read up to that point, why the Midianites have arrived in their land, okay? Um, all through the Old Testament, oppressors and problems, and all these things arise when the people stray. Okay, you read it. It's almost like, they're like yo-yos. I mean, you ever, you know, yo-yo? You have a yo-yo, and, you, and it comes back to you. You jerk it, and it comes back to you, Right? You know, you fling it out, it's far away from you, you jerk it, and it rolls right back up. That's how the people were with God. You know, they, would, they were close to him as long as they needed him. Does that sound like anybody to you? Amen. How many knows we don't seek God until we need to seek God? And I, I'm the same. Everybody is, everybody is the same. I didn't, I didn't want him until I needed him. Amen. Somebody say amen. So we got to understand that we, once we've entered into this contract of obedience, okay, that it's not too hard to understand why Gideon is where Gideon is, right? So he said, why are we surprised then when we live in disobedience and a breach of our contract, okay? Why are we surprised when trouble rises in our life? Why are we, why are we, I'm, I'm as surprised as the next guy. You know, I didn't think I was doing too bad. And then you start thinking about it, right? Yeah, I haven't been really praying. I haven't really had much time for study, you know. Too much work to do, you know. I, could, I got this other job that I'm working to, you know, second job, whatever. Okay? It's somebody, somebody say amen. I see a lot of people, yeah, yeah, you understand what I'm saying, right? So why are we surprised when the trouble arises to knock us down? Why is it, why, why are we, why are we surprised when the trouble rises so we can be reminded how much we need him? You know, when I start to think back, I start to think back and I've seen myself without him. Okay. And sometimes when I start to get lax, the Lord will bring that kind of stuff back to me, whether it's a song or whether it's a, a place that I've been or a smell or whatever it is, brings it back to you real quick. It jerks, it jerks you, snaps you to attention said, I don't want to be in that place again. I mean, I remember where I was without him. I remember who I was without him. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Lord, thank you for knocking the crutches out from under me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not leaving me where I was. Somebody say amen. But understand that we can't walk in his blessings unless we walk in obedience. Understand that we can't claim there's blessings. We can't claim his promises. There's the book is full of promises, right? But we can't claim them if we're not willing to walk in obedience. Somebody say amen. We can't claim his blessings and we walk according to our own works, you know, or according to our own. You remember what we talked about, about presumptuous sins, about thinking, man, I'll just, yeah, I can do that. I can get by. But we understand we can't put, claim any of the promises that are in scripture. Remember first John one, nine or one, one, six through nine. Let's read it real quick. First John. I don't want to get bogged down with a bunch of scripture, but I love scripture. I just, I just, I just love scripture. First John one, let's start reading at chat, uh, verse six. It says, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. Right. And do not the what we don't do the truth. We say we can say whatever we want, right? I could say I'm an astronaut. I could say I'm a neurosurgeon, right? But if I walk in the OR and somebody hands me a scalpel and says, you know, get to work, doctor. How many knows I'm going to be found out pretty quick? Somebody say amen. Now, I have worked in those areas, so I might do a little bit better than you would. But that guy's not, the guy's not on the table is not going to like it, okay? He's still not going to like the result, correct? 
So we got to understand that if we, it says we, we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we're lying. We're lying. We're lying to him. We're lying to us. We're lying to everybody around us, right? But if we walk in the light, remember, we've read this story. We've read this verse so many times in the past few If we walk in the light as he is in the light, how many knows he's all light? Okay, pastor preached about the other day. It was so great how he is light. There's no darkness that can exist near him, right? So he's all the light, okay? And if he's shining some on us and we walk in it, okay, we're doing what we're supposed to do, right? And now, if you don't know to do something and don't do it, it's not sin to you, right? But if I know it and I don't do it, it's sin to me, right? So the light that I'm walking in is my light. That's my walk, my light, okay? Your walk is your light and your walk, right? So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, Bible says we have fellowship one to another. I don't care if you've been saved one day or you've been saved 50 years. We can walk in fellowship if we're walking in all the light that we have. Somebody say amen. So we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, it cleanses us from our sin, okay? So it doesn't matter if you know what you're doing is wrong. You're cleansed as long as you're walking in that light. Now. If we say that we have no sin, let's go the other direction. We say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, right, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, that's a promise right there. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a great promise, right? If, if I'll confess my sin, okay, if I'll accept my sin, if take my responsibility, he's going to forgive me for that sin, Right? But if I refuse to obey, can I claim that promise? Does that even, is that even talking about me? No, because I'm back here in verse 6. Okay, I'm walking in darkness. I'm lying to you, to me, to everybody else, right? Somebody say amen. But you got to understand, obedience is, is what we're in covenant about. Okay, we're, God has all these promises. He's promised, and he's... You know, we just, I just talked about before I got started, how many times has he protected us and we didn't even know it? Okay, he is faithful. God's, it, whenever there's a problem with you and God, it isn't God. Okay, whenever there's been a problem with me and God, it hasn't been God. I've been angry at him. Okay, I've blamed him for things. I've, I've threatened him. I've walked away. Okay, I've done all that. But it wasn't his problem. Okay, it was my, it was, it was me, it was my fault, my problem, right? So in chapter six, the, the or chapter six of Judges, it says that Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Okay, so they've taken themselves out of covenant with the Lord. So all the things that He promised, He's not legally obligated to give them anymore. Somebody say Amen. The Midianites come, okay. And they cause poverty. They cause all these issues, okay? They, these people can't hardly even live their lives because these people are riding in. And they, you read about them. It said they were like grasshoppers. They covered the ground. They would come riding in, steal everything of worth, and leave the ground. They would eat up all the grass, drink up all the water, steal all the food they have grown, stole their animals, and off they go, leaving this place. And, you know, isn't that just like the devil? Come in and steal everything of value that you have. Come in when you're, when, when you're out of, when, you're, when you, you think you're doing fine, right? But you get out of obedience, and it's not long before you're looking and saying, what happened? What, where'd all this come from? Where did everything that I had go? Okay? So it, it shouldn't have been any surprise to Israel. But Gideon's surprised. He said, where's my miracles? Right? Why have you forsaken us? And God tells him. He says, look, you cried unto me. Let's read. Let's read it. I, I, I don't, this doesn't do justice. I mean, I, I planned on just paraphrasing it, but we could, might as well just read it. We might as well, I can't do better. You can't do better than the word of God, right? It says, uh, and it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites. Okay, I'm at, I'm at chapter 6, verse 7. It says that the Lord sent a prophet unto them. He sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt. I brought you forth out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the band that, that oppressed you, drove them out before you. He says, I drove everybody that was in this land out before you and gave you their land. He said, and I said unto you, I am, the, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites, or don't worship them in whose land you dwell. But ye have not obeyed my voice. Okay? I sent you, sent him a prophet to tell him, you didn't obey. 
Okay. Now, is there any, can he offer any solutions to their problems as long as they're in disobedience? Have you ever dealt with somebody that needed your help so bad, but when you gave them your advice, it went right out the window? Have you ever, have you ever given somebody of yourself, spent time with them, uh, uh, money, uh, of your substance, even let them be around your family, things like that. And then when it comes time to obey, they're nowhere to be, right? They don't want to fix themselves. They want you, they want you to fix everything. But then when, when, when they get another opportunity, boom, you know, they have no intention of straightening up. Because can God do anything with somebody who will not obey? Is, it, is there any point in him doing anything right here? And he doesn't offer you read right here. He doesn't offer a solution. He says you disobeyed, right? Mm. So many times I prayed, God, it would take you two seconds to fix this. You could fix all this so easy, but I wasn't ready to obey. What can he do with that? He can't do anything. You're tying the hands, okay? If you're claiming his name and, you're walk, and you say you're walking how you're supposed to walk and you've got a problem and you're not in obedience, you're tying his hands. You're tying up his provision. You're, you're, you're handcuffing his, his, his judgment. You're handcuffing his mercy. He can't, he can't do anything to help you at, in this point, right? So it says, he comes to Gideon. And Gideon's threshing the wheat. And how many know that the Lord always has a remnant? All through the word, okay? He always has somebody that he can affect their heart. Now, they may not be, you know, the next great preacher in Cambridge might be in a drug den right now. I'm not, not even kidding in the least. Okay? So understand that, uh, that, that where, where he finds himself, okay, is where he's supposed to be. But even though he's not living right, and he, we're going to find that out in a minute, he's not living right, but his heart's still touchable, okay? And the Lord comes to him. And he says, he says, uh, I'm going to deliver the Israel by you, Okay? By your hand. All right. But let's say our catchphrase again. But first things first. Gideon had some idols. Gideon's family had some idols. Now, what are our, our idols? It could be where you spend all your time. Sure. It could be that. It could be where your mind spends most of its time. Could be that. Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. So don't look too far. You can tell what people are really after. Talk to them for very long. You find out what people are really about, and they'll show it to you, okay? Because that's the first thing they're going to want to talk about. That's the only thing they're going to want to talk about, okay? Idols can also be other things. Idols can be hurt. Some people are nothing without their depression. They don't even know who they are without every time you talk to them, well, I'm really struggling this week, you know. A lot of people are nothing without their injuries. That's who they are. That's who they've become. Those are idols. Good stuff, it doesn't have to be good stuff. There's a lot of people that are, that are bow down every day to the, all the bad stuff that's ever happened to them. And they spend all their mind, they spend all their time, they spend all their, every time they pray, that's what they're praying about, but they don't want to give it up. They don't, without that, what would they have? I mean, come on, people, let's get real right now. Okay, what are, what are our idols? Okay, you know, I'm not going to, you don't have to, I don't get a chalkboard up here and say, I know where yours. All right, I know what are yours. No, I'm not going to do that. 
you look inside, you know what they are. And you can, you can, you can say you don't have any, uh, the Bible verse, first John just said, you're lying. Right? We're all, we, we all need cleansing, right? All right. Now it says, I, uh, Gideon had idols of his father's. Blame his own dad right off the bat. Right off the bat. But I think what, what it's telling us here, and it doesn't say that Gideon didn't worship there. Okay, what, what, what went on all the time in Israel? They still had tabernacle. They still had the reading of Moses' law. They still had all that. They just had this other stuff too. Does that sound familiar? There's a lot of people in church. There's a lot of people believe a lot of things, but they, do their, they want to do their other stuff too. Okay, there's a lot of preachers that will preach some good stuff. You can't deceive anybody without it, with, if you don't have some truth, right? But all you got to do is just add in a little bit of what you, you know, what they want to hear, okay? And it's not long before you're worshiping another idol along with God. God says, no, no, no. That was the issue. It wasn't like they padlocked the tabernacle and threw the book of the law over the cliff, okay? They were still reading it. They were still, but they were just doing this other stuff too, okay? Now, he didn't build them. They were his father's idols. How many knows there's a lot of people that are still bound by things that were put in their life by other people? Okay. Gideon, maybe not. He didn't go out seeking to worship Baal. Okay. It was just what his family did. They went to uh, Baal Mass on Friday night. And then they went to synagogue on Sunday or Saturday. Okay. It's just what they did. All right. There's a lot of people that are walking in bondages that were handed down to them. There's a lot of people that are walking in mindsets that were handed to them by somebody else. There's a lot of people that are walking in traditions and false doctrine and heresy that was handed to them by somebody else that they can't get free of. Somebody say amen. Okay, so there's a lot of things that we can point to. There's a lot of things that we can look at. Some things aren't your fault. Okay, but does that not make you responsible for it? Somebody say amen. I know you're hearing me. I know you're hearing me. But how many knows there's freedom? Hallelujah. There's freedom from your addictions. There's freedom from that, from that depression. There's freedom from that trauma that you didn't do anything to deserve. There's freedom from that. There's, there's healing that can come through the, how many knows there's healing in the blood of Jesus? Hallelujah. It does have, somebody said, Now, would it be super nice if you came to the altar and you prayed and you got up and everything was fixed and everything was married and you went on your head? It doesn't always work like that. Sometimes forgive, sometimes freedom comes a little bit at a time. Amen. How many know when they were fighting the Revolutionary War? That wasn't one battle. That was many, many, many battles that were fought. Amen. How many knows that you got to keep fighting that battle? You got to keep getting up every morning, getting your knees. You got to keep putting one foot in front of the other until you get there. Okay, and it may not seem like you're moving, but you're going to get to a certain point and you're going to all of a sudden start to realize how good you feel. Hallelujah. You're going to start to under, you're going to start to realize how good you feel and you're going to say, well, I'm not quite there yet, but look where I was. I'm not quite there yet, but look what, look what I used to be. Amen. Somebody say amen. So we understand that's how freedom comes, right? But today, lots of folks believe a lot of things in direct conflict with the word of God. If I hear one more Christian talk about karma, I'm going I'm to get mad. Karma is not Christian. The law of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you reap. There is no mystical force called karma in the universe that does justice. I'm sorry. A lot of people want to have God, but they want everything else too. How many knows that in order to have the Lord, he's going to make you cut some things away. Amen. The Bible says the, it says, I am the vine and my father is the husbandman, right? And the ones that don't bring forth fruit, I'm going to cut them off. And I'm going to throw them in the fire. But the ones that bring forth fruit, 
I'm going to trim them. I'm going to trim them a little bit. I'm going to prune them so they can bring forth more fruit. How many knows pruning hurts sometimes? Amen. There's sometimes there's a lot, some things you got to give, give up. There's some things that he's going to convict your heart of. And if you're going to choose to walk, if you're going to be in covenant and you're going to be obedient, you're going to choose to walk in the light that he's given you. It's going to take a little pruning, right? Amen. Somebody, some people want to have the blessings of God. Hallelujah. Blessings. But they want to walk out through the vanity of their own mind. They want to think, well, you know, yeah, that's all well and good for you. But I have my own truth. That's not my truth. That's your truth. That's your interpretation. How many of you read the Bible and believe it? You don't interpret it? You read it and believe it. That's, that, that is the only way to get revelation is to read it and believe it. Walk in obedience. If you don't understand part of it, walk in, the, walk in obedience with the part you do understand, and soon you'll start to understand some more of it. But when you start to say, well, this is not for me, and this is for me, and this is not for me, pretty soon you're not obeying anymore. Okay? You're walking off the vanity of your own mind. Well, I don't really need this part. I mean, that really, you know, that's going a little too far. Right? You got to walk in all of it. When, when In Ezekiel, when God gave him the role, he said, eat it. Eat the whole roll. You had to eat it all. How many of us were responsible for it all? Somebody say amen. Some people want to claim the promises of God, want to walk off after their own will. And that's a no. I got a, a good message the other day uh, about Lot living near Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's, that's going to be a good one. But you understand that where he lived, he chose to live there. Right? And the Bible says that his righteous soul was vexed every day. Okay? But he didn't move. It wasn't vexed enough for him to move. So he thought he could walk in the blessings of God, but still do his own will. Somebody say amen. amen. Folks, we got a job to do. Okay? This isn't just about us. You know, we've said this so many times. How many has enjoyed seeing all the new people coming into the church? Amen. There's nothing that blesses my soul more than to see somebody come through and you can look in their eyes and you can know how bad they're hurting. And you can say, how did you come to the right place, buddy? You're in the right spot. And you can just start. I sit up here many times. I look out across it and I could, I could look at people and just feel. I could just see how bad, what kind of shape they're in. And they're sitting there and they look almost destroyed in their eyes. And I say, man. You, man, you're in the right place. And I'll start to pray, Lord, let your anointing touch that person, God. Lord, let your spirit begin to, let, 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 your, let your word go forth. How many knows it's the word? Amen. It's the anointing, Lord, that, that saves us. It's the anointing that breaks that yoke off of us. Amen. How many, we were all like that. I was beyond hope. I was hopeless when I came to the Lord. But it's not about us, understand. What I want really doesn't matter too much. Okay, it's about him, right? It's about them that are coming in. Hallelujah. Some things, some things I can't talk about without getting a little teary. And you have to forgive me if that bothers you. It bothers some people. I can't help it. I can't help it. What he's done for me, you'll never know. You can never know what he's done for me. And just like I can't know you, I can't know what he's done for you. But you'll never know the the pieces that he's put back together in my life, the things that I thought were broken forever. And he's been able to slowly, okay, slowly put them back together, okay? And forgive me when I talk about that. Begin, I begin to get a little bit emotional, amen, because he's done such marvelous things in my life. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. But it's not about us, okay? There's hordes of hurting people, and just as a city alone, you don't have to walk too far or look at too many people. to under Brother Corey could probably tell you Things that you don't want to hear about Cambridge, Ohio, about Guernsey County. Amen. He's, I'm sure he sees the worst of the worst. Amen. I mean, there's people that need a touch from God. They need a touch from the Lord. Amen. And it's up to us. We're his body. Okay. We're his hand. There's an old song. Be his hand extended. Okay. Let, let, let us be his hand extended. Reaching out to the oppressed. Okay, if, we, if you've got help, what's better than helping somebody else? Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. 
we're just scratching the surface right now. We're just scratching the surface, and you all better get ready. And there better be, we all need, I mean, I've said it before, as a body, we need to grow. And I'm not talking about in numbers. I'm talking about us individually. We need to grow because there's ministries that are going to start to open up in this church, and it need, we need people. We need people with anointing, people that have been touched by the Lord. We need them. We need them. We need them to be growing up, getting off the bottle. Remember, get off the bottle, start getting some meat because there's some people that's going to come in and they're going to have been where you were. They're going to be, it's, it's just going to be like a, like a fly, like bugs to a light. Okay. They're going to see the light and they're going to understand that you have what they need. Amen. And that's where you got to be ready. You got to be ready. We got to get on fire. Our idols have to come down first. All of our idols before we get in, understand this right now, before we get in, uh, before he even picked up a sword, before he, God even told him the battle plan, before he ever picked, the, picked, picked up or made a plan, before he uh, uh, chose a soldier for his band, he had to go to his own idols and he had to knock down his own idols. Somebody say amen. If he does it now, what if, what if, Gizzi, what if Gideon chooses not to do that? What if he chooses not to knock down his idols. Well, those are my dads. They've been in our family for years. Okay, that's just something that we do on Fridays. Okay? That's just, that's a family tradition. That's just a tradition in our family. It's just something that has been passed down generation to generation. That's just who we are. How many knows? One time I was, I was reading, and I was reading the scripture about Jesus saying, take up your cross daily and follow me. And I started thinking, what's my cross? And so I started praying. I couldn't really figure it out. Couldn't really figure it out. But then one day, I was working and something happened. And I started to get mad, you know. And somebody was there, my dad or something like that. And I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. I said, man, that's just me. And it light went on. Those things that make you you, the bad things, that's your cross. The things that, I mean... If you don't have a problem with drugs, drugs are near cross. I mean, if you don't have a problem with pornography, pornography, lust isn't your cross. The things that you have, the idols that you have, the things that you make you, you, the things you say, well, that's just me. You know, I don't, well, that's just how I am. It's just the way I've always been. That's your cross. Look, start looking there, you'll find your idols that need to come down. Start looking there. You'll find them. I promise. Start looking at the things that make you who you are. Good and bad, you'll, you'll find your idols. I promise. Now, stand with me if you will. If you come to the music, Uncle T. First Peter, uh, chapter 4, it's like it says, judgment begins. Where? right here. Judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Okay, and if we can't make it, what hope is there for the guy laying in the gutter? If we can't get our stuff together, what, what where's the hope for those guys? Okay? We can put on our suits and our dresses and we can come to the come to church, right? But without really getting fixed, Without the judgment start right here. What, so what do we want God to do for us? Where's our miracles? Where's our miracles? You turn the you turn that down just a little bit, Uncle T. Where's our miracles? Gideon say, want to know where his are, where's ours? Okay, I've seen them. Okay, I've seen I've seen the, the devil cast out of people. I've seen it with my eyes, but where's ours? Where's ours? There's people that gotten healed. I've heard stories, but where's our miracles? What do we want God to do? Save our family? Anybody save our family? Deliver our friends? What do we want him to do? What is it? It's up to us. 
our idols have to come down. And what's it going to take for that to happen? We got to get honest with us. We got to look in the mirror and get honest and say, look, my, I got this, I got this. You're, 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 you, where we are useless in the kingdom without obedience. Somebody say amen. Before anyone gets deliverance through you, you got to be delivered. And there's people sitting on pews, even in the Pentecostal church, there's people sitting on pews that have been sitting there for 15 years and still have not been fully delivered from what ails them, from what the problems that they have. Somebody say amen. And while deliverance is a process, it needs to be moving forward. And it takes you to look at yourself and say, yes, that's me. That's the first step. Amen. How's, how are you ever going to set somebody else on fire with your preaching or your teaching or witnessing if God's never set you on fire? I mean, do you, do you take a stick out of the woods and go over and put it on a fire and try to, it should burn, you know, if there's no flame, right? You take one that's on fire and you put it in a spot that's nice and ready for a fire, you're going to have a fire. Amen. How many knows now? Don't, you, you can't take a you can't take a uh, a stick out of the fire and go over to a wet blanket and light it on fire, right? But there's a somewhere 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 somehow somewhere right now there's a person that's moving toward you that's primed and ready for the fire that that's 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 burning in you, okay? And until, unless we can get there, okay, God's not going to, why would God bring him there, bring us to them if we aren't, we aren't ready to get delivered ourselves? There's a lot of people say, Lord, uh, uh, will you pray for me? There's a lot of people that want prayer, but unless they're willing to turn away and be different, there's no sense in praying for them. Remember Jesus said, uh, he said, when a spirit, unclean spirit goes out of a man, he walks through places. You know, dry places, and he thinks, I'll just go back to my house where I was. And then when he goes back, he finds it ready for him, and he brings seven more spirits. So people that don't want help, you can't help them. Somebody say amen. But understand, before he can cleanse a sinner through us, we got to be clean ourselves, right? we got to be walking in our light. So what do, what do we want to see him do? I mean, where's our power, Right? Where's our miracles? Our idols have to come down. As a church, as a nation, individually. Remember, first things first. First things first. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church of Cambridge podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly sermons. If you are in the Cambridge area, we invite you to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Again, thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.